Hi, this is Andrew Phillips. Thank you for downloading the Graymere Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us, check out our website at graymere.com. We'd also love for you to visit with us in a worship service. You're always welcome at Graymere Church of Christ. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 145, be towards the end of the book of Psalms. We'll be spending some time in the 145th Psalm tonight. Uh, it is great to see everyone here this evening. It's a busy time of year. There's a lot that's going on. Uh, we're thankful that we were able to have uh, many people with us visiting family this morning. Uh, and you may be planning trips and travel. And so we know that's uh, uh, something we want to be prayerful about as you travel. Uh, but we also want to just put a couple of reminders out there. As Jack mentioned, uh, the devotional books... Uh, and we mentioned this morning as well, the devotional books we're going to be looking at this year are uh, focused on meeting God's people. And it's a really neat effort that was put together by multiple authors where every week, Monday through Friday, there's a short devotional about a passage of Scripture that deals with a certain person from Scripture or a group of people uh, from Scripture. Uh, And so if you could, just as soon as you can, either sign up out there in the foyer or call the church office and let us know. Uh, We're hoping uh, to have those in so that when we have our open door Sunday on the 31st, just in time uh, for the new year, uh, we'll be able to hand those out. Uh, And those are are $9 a piece. There's a digital version of that that's available online for $10 a piece. Uh, and so you can use that as well. And of course, you wouldn't have to wait for, uh, for delivery on the digital version. But we hope that every year there's something we can do that just encourages us to spend time in the Word uh, and to spend time learning and growing. I mentioned the 31st. We are going to have that open door Sunday schedule. And just as a reminder, we've sent out a special invitation to the families of students from Brown Elementary. Uh, we've been able to to partner with uh, Brown Elementary on some things over the years. And so uh, we just want to reach out to those individuals and invite them to join us. Uh, they could, they're welcome to be here all day, but specifically wanted to make sure they knew about our, our meal and our worship after our meal. Uh, so let's be looking for people we can encourage. Uh, that's going to be a wonderful time together. Uh, and we also uh, are looking forward to our time of worship next Sunday as well and hope that we're making plans uh, to be there. there. There's no better place. If you've got family in town and you've got friends in town, there'd be no better place to be uh, than to be worshiping God together. And so we'd love to have uh, everyone here uh, for that as well. Now, even if you're not planning to stay or you hadn't made plans to stay for Snacks with Santa, uh, at least at some point you need to check out all the hard work that's been done. We've had an incredible group of volunteers Uh, that have put that together. That's going to be a great time for our children uh, and for our families. And so we're just really looking forward to that uh, and thankful to all those who have been been working all afternoon to make that uh, a reality for us. I think I've shared this uh, a while ago, but it's been on my mind as I thought about this Psalms series we've done on Sunday nights. It's a story of uh, Natan Sharansky, who was Uh, a Jewish author who eventually served in the Israeli parliament. But as he was writing his book, Fear No Evil, he described what it was like when he had to go through a time of imprisonment uh, by Soviet secret police. He spent uh, over one year in a a cold, 
basement cell that was barely six square feet. Uh, His total imprisonment was multiple years. Uh, And he had to deal with what we might imagine. He had to deal with serious interrogations, with hunger. And the only possession he had during that time that someone had given him was a book of the Psalms. He wasn't particularly a religious person, but he started reading the Psalms and found strength from them. And so when it came time that he was going to be released from prison, uh, they were making sort of this public release, and so there were people there surrounding him. And as he was leaving, he found that someone hadn't returned his Psalms book. And he was so upset that he dropped down into the snow and began to yell, Give me back my Psalms book until someone did. What was it that would make someone who hadn't really been a very religious person so attached to the message of the Psalms? I think that's a a powerful question for us to ask. It may be because the Psalms deal with every aspect of human life and human existence. And as we've gone through just looking at a few of them on Sunday nights, we've been reminded of that. We looked at Psalm 51 reminding us about the importance of repentance, the importance of forgiveness, what it means to come back to God. We read Psalm 23, a familiar psalm, but one that reminds us of what it means to allow the Lord to be our shepherd. There's something reassuring there about that guidance. We were reminded in Psalm 90 that God is from everlasting to everlasting, that we're dust. Our physical life is temporary. We need to trust in the one who's eternal. And then we spent time in Psalm 35, as well as Psalm 34 before then, really digging into some of the tough laments that are in the Psalms. And what about some of the things people say about their enemies and the frustrations they have with what's happening? And how does that resonate with us? And how do we understand that? Psalms are powerful because at any point in our life, however high or low that point may be, we can find a psalm that resonates with our experience. And tonight we're going to be spending time in Psalm 145. And I've been looking forward to this, uh, but I've also been sort of thinking about it as a challenge. Because when you're putting together a lesson or if you're putting together a sermon on a passage of Scripture, uh, it's sort of like we would think of reading something that's a story or or, uh, or thinking about watching something that's a story, if there's a conflict there, that can be really powerful. If there's a tension there, you can really dig into it. But in Psalm 145, what we see is we see praise to God, and it's continual praise. As we read through it, you might even be tempted to think this is just sort of a static thing, just repeating over and over again why God should be praised and what, what is it that we learn from that? But I think that tonight this can be an important reminder, at least an important reminder for me. And here's why. A few weeks ago in our Sunday morning Bible class, we were talking about prayer and our tendencies when it comes to prayer. And I know what my tendency is, and uh, I would imagine there's at least someone else out here who does this. Typically, when I'm going to pray, I'm going to begin with the thing that I need help with, the thing that I'm worried about. I've got a list of things 
that I want to bring before the Lord. And I'm going to start with my wants, my needs. And so one of the things that we talked about, uh, we had done it in class a while back, but we were discussing it, uh, was a, a simple acronym. Uh, and it's one that it's been around for so long, I, I don't know who originally uh, sort of put it together, but you've probably heard of the ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S, where you start with adoration and then confession and then thanksgiving and then supplication. And supplication is what we're asking for. So the beauty of that model is uh, we wait to ask for things until we've done the first three steps. And so we were just talking about how that's a challenge. And, and since those conversations, I've been thinking about this, and I want to ask you this question as well. When's the last time you prayed to God and it was only praise? It was only the adoration. Just a sustained time of praising God for what He's done. There might be a lot of things in life that we want to address, and we need to feel free to do that in prayer, but we also need to make sure that we're spending an adequate amount of time doing what Psalm 145 does. Just praising God. Now, we, we tend to do that well when we sing. And tonight, we've done a, a wonderful job just in praise, thinking about God, thinking about His Son, and, and listing all the different ways. As, as we sang, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, I was thinking about how many of the elements of those verses are seen in the Psalms, where we, we see the creation around pointing to God's glory. And everything, as we look at God's plan and sending Jesus, how that points to His glory. We tend to praise well when we sing, but I think my, maybe a good challenge for us would be to think, what can I do this week? Is there a time this week I can set aside just to pray a prayer of praise to God? And what I'm hoping we can do as we look at the psalm is, uh, if you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, maybe there's some things you can jot down. Maybe you can uh, open up the notes app on your phone and, and take a couple of notes. But I'd like for us to work through this psalm as a template for us when we pray to pray these prayers of praise in adoration to God. The Psalm 145 is one of the psalms that's an acrostic, uh, which means uh, each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, now, it's hard for us to see in our English translations, but there are several psalms like that. The one that uh, is maybe most prominent is Psalm 119. Uh, it's the longest of the psalms, but even in our English translations, uh, each section of verses, it'll have that Hebrew word, or Hebrew letter, rather, so you can know, okay, this one is sort of the section that starts with Aleph, and this is the section that starts with Beit, and it goes through all uh, the Hebrew alphabet. Well, the same is true verse by verse here. And what that does, I think, is indicate something powerful. Uh, that what we're reading, not only is it inspired by God, but is also thought out. Uh, there's a sense in which if you've got a verse for every letter in the alphabet, this is a complete thought. This was planned and thought out specifically. And so I'd like for us just to work through uh, this psalm, thinking about how great the Lord is. Verse 3 says, great is the Lord. And that's the theme that keeps showing up over and over again. Uh, if you look in your translation, you may have the word Lord in all capital letters. And while there are multiple ways in 
in words you could use to translate Lord, and there are different ways God is described. The covenant name that we think of as, as Yahweh, uh, the name that uh, would have been the most special, is usually indicated by those capital letters. Great is the Lord, the one who made a covenant with his people. The first seven verses focus on the works of the Lord, what the Lord has done. And so if you want to read with me, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Now, when it comes to praising God, did you see the way in which individuals were to praise? They meditate, verse 5, on the wonderful works of God. They speak about awesome acts, tell of his greatness, eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness eagerly utter. Think about the emotion behind those words. When's the last time you had something that you just couldn't wait to talk to someone else about? You, you probably have this. I know I do. There are times if something happens that's, that's funny or something happens uh, that is memorable, and maybe it's about a specific subject that I know someone else is going to enjoy, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to tell them about it. Do I have that kind of excitement when it comes to the works of the Lord? Now, this is a common practice in the Psalms to rehearse the things that God has done. And so some Psalms will point to the creation of people, the creation of the world. Some Psalms will point to God's promises to his people, the exodus from Egypt, conquest into the promised land, or as we saw this morning, promises for the king. These are God's works. God is constantly reminding his people what he's done. And so maybe it's good that I remind myself of what God has done. So a good way to start, if we wanted to this week, to, to pray a prayer of praise, of adoration, if, if I wanted to be making a list, would be to say, what are the works that I can be grateful for in my life? Uh, we know that we're grateful for all the works that we read about in the Psalms. Uh, even though we didn't live through the Exodus, we're thankful for God's power. Uh, even though we weren't a part of David's kingdom, we're thankful for the fact that he worked through David and promised there would be a coming king. But let's make it personal. What are some things in my life that have been done, wonderful works that I can meditate on? And I know we don't always understand all the ways that God works. But we do know, James tells us, that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. So if I can look at something in my life and I say this is a gift, I know who to give credit for it. I know I can give God the credit for that. I may not be able to explain a lot of things that are happening. I don't always know, is this what God wanted to happen? Is this the result of what someone else has done? But I know if I've got something that's good and that's a blessing, that that comes from God. And so, can I make a list of God's works in my life? 
here tonight, watching online, have the health to participate, have the ability to read God's Word, even to have the knowledge of God. Pretty incredible. If you have any family or friends, people that you love, people that you uh, have, have benefited from and have grown because of, those relationships, those are blessings from God. We might not always feel like we're wealthy, but I think if we compared what we have to what those around the world have, we can be reminded of material wealth, but also other blessings. Can I make a list of God's works in my life? One of the things that I, I like to do at the beginning of, uh, of Bible classes, uh, and I've started doing this at the beginning of a lot of classes, is just starting out by thinking of things that we can be grateful for. Uh, and that's, to me, that's uh, something I saw a teacher do once, and I thought, you know, that's more than just uh, here's a fun way to sort of get a class connecting and talking. It changes your mindset. If you start off a time when you're studying God's Word with a mindset of gratitude, it can change everything. It, some scientific studies have pointed out that gratitude actually changes the way our brains work, depending on what we focus on and how our neural pathways are formed. But we also know that it's just a reminder of what God has done for us. So what's a list of God's works in my life? And when we, when we pray to Him, what are some things that I can pray for specifically that God has blessed me with? You might want to write a couple of those down to take some notes. But then we, we keep going in Psalm 145, and we get to verses 8 and 9, and we see the Lord's grace. It's not just that we have a powerful Creator God. That power in creation is there, but it's also a God who's provided grace. Power without grace would be frightening. But what we see in verse 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. We're introduced to the Lord's grace here, and you might be thinking, well, that does seem a little maybe unexpected if it's coming in the middle of the Old Testament. Typically, when we think about the grace of God, which part of Scripture do we think of most, Old Testament or New Testament? We typically think about New Testament. But you know what's interesting is there are all kinds of places in which God's grace is seen in the Old Testament. Uh, I think one reason is because in the, uh, the Hebrew language, uh, one of the words that could be translated grace is often translated favor. And so there are a lot of passages where we see the favor of the Lord or the Lord had favor on someone. And we can think, well, that's God's grace in action. But think about the way that God describes himself in Exodus 34. This is a pretty important moment in the history of Israel. Moses is on the mountain. Uh, he wants to see the face of God. He can't see the face of God and live. But the Lord passed by in front of him and then proclaimed who he was. Just think about that for a moment. You're Moses. You're leading the people of Israel. You want to know who it is that you're following. God chose to reveal himself with these words. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, 
and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Here we are. We're in the middle of what we call the Old Testament. We're in the middle of the Hebrew Scripture. And God is saying, I am compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. This is the way God is describing Himself. He wants them to know His grace. And yes, part of His description is He's not going to leave the guilty unpunished. He goes on to talk about that. He goes on to talk about how even the things uh, that fathers do could have impact not just on them, but on children and grandchildren. And in a time in which you had extended families living together, often the actions of the patriarch could have ripple effects through the whole household. So God isn't saying there aren't consequences for sins or that the guilty will go unpunished, but He's reminding His people that He's compassionate and gracious. And so even when we get to the prophet Jonah, when he goes uh, eventually to Nineveh, the city he didn't want to go to because God called them to do that, and they repent, he's angry and he's upset. And essentially in chapter 4, it's as if he's telling God, I knew this would happen. I knew you would forgive them. I knew that you would allow them to repent. And that's what frustrated him the most. He knew that about God. Think about God's grace. Can I make a list of the ways that God's grace has been shown in my life? Are are there ways I can see that? If I'm a Christian, there's one way that's obvious. Probably should be at the top of the list. The fact that I have a privilege, I'm privileged to be called a child of God. But there are also other ways that we're given things that we don't deserve. Ultimately, when I think of God's grace, I'm going to be reminded of the riches of heaven and the blessing of that relationship. But there are also things that I experience in my life that are because of the grace of God, things that I don't deserve because God has been gracious. What are some of those elements? What are some of those things? Can I I make a list of those? Can I remind myself of some of those times when I've had a privilege that I didn't deserve to have, when, when I've been given a chance uh, to do something that I never would have expected I'd have the opportunity to do, to serve in a way I've never expected I'd have the opportunity to serve, and by God's grace, we've been allowed to do that. Can I make that list? Can you write a few of those things down? And it's as if we have the, a, a pendulum working in this psalm, and so we start with, Here are the works of God, and then we're reminded of the grace. And then it goes right back in verse 10 as we start thinking about the kingdom of the Lord. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Now, this is what we were spending time thinking about this morning, this enduring kingdom of the Lord. In fact, there's one scholar uh, dealing with the Psalms, James Mays, who has written an entire book, and his main proposal is that the way to understand the center of the book of Psalms is by the phrase, the Lord reigns. It's a phrase that's used in several Psalms, 
But he's arguing that that's at the center, essentially, of every psalm you read. The Lord reigns. And it's, it's interesting to see how many times that shows up in the psalms, that God is the one uh, who's in charge. And you can imagine how important that would be. If you had God's people that are in exile, if you have His people living in Babylon, and they're trying to figure out what their next move is, they needed psalms that reminded them the Lord's kingdom is everlasting. God's kingdom is what matters. In our culture that we live in today, we need psalms to remind us that the Lord's kingdom is what matters. One of the things that's going to happen in just a few weeks is we're going to enter 2024 and we're going to enter into an election year. And I think we are blessed to live in the country where we live. And I want to be involved in making life as good as it can possibly be in my country. But I can be encouraged that no matter what's happening in this nation, the Lord's kingdom is the one that's everlasting. God's kingdom is the one of which, if I am a member, I can have that trust and that reliance in Him. I also think it's interesting in this uh, passage the way uh, the works are described as talking of your power. Verse 10, all your works shall give thanks to you. Your godly ones shall bless you. So it's, it's not just the people of God, but all through the Psalms there are these references to God's creation crying out. The, the mountains crying out. The rocks crying out. So somehow the creation is declaring the works of God. And so for this section, maybe we can ask the question, what are some specific ways you've seen the works of God that have pointed you to His glory, that have glorified Him? Can I make a list of how I've seen God's creation glorify Him? Maybe you like to go to East Tennessee, to the mountains, for trips and for vacations. Those are beautiful scenic overlooks that you can pull off and look at. Maybe you're staying at a place that that has a view uh, over all of these mountainous hills and trees. Maybe you go hiking there, and that's a beautiful place. How does it change my perspective when I look at that beauty and I say, what does this tell me about my Creator? Can I make a list of how this glorifies Him? Can, can I start thinking about the ways that the beauty of the world around me reminds me of the ability of the one who created it, the design of the one who made our world? Maybe you're a person who likes to be near the water. Maybe even now, in the middle of December, you're thinking of what it'll be like in the, the summer when you can uh, be uh, on, on the water, near the water, see the Maybe it's just relaxing. Maybe it's getting out and swimming. Whatever it is you like to do. If you can picture one of those sunsets over the water, maybe with a a sandy beach right there, uh, overview that you have, how does it change those moments when I say, what does this tell me about my Creator? What, What can I learn about the God who's painted this beautiful sunset for me? How can I reflect on that? I think about the group that's going on the, the Grand Canyon trip in a few months. And when you see something like the Grand Canyon in person, it, it just kind of, it kind of blows you away. It's, it's hard to really describe what you're seeing there. And, and what I love about uh, the design of that trip and really the privilege we have 
as Christians is that when we come up to something like that, not only can I be moved by how incredible it looks, but I can be moved by what it tells me about the God who created the world. I can reflect on that as an opportunity to glorify and to praise God. Really powerful. Can I make a list of works that I've seen? If you like to travel, maybe you can make a list of places that you've been. If you spent time in your backyard in the last few months, maybe you can make a list of things you've seen that have reminded you of God's creation glorifying Him. As we close out Psalm 145, we move from a description of the Lord's kingdom to His compassion. Notice verse 14. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love Him, but the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless His holy name forever. It's interesting that as the power of God has been magnified, again, the pendulum swings back to remembering God's compassion. The compassion He's shown, specifically here, those who were down, all those who were fallen, that's, those are the people to whom God is near. There are multiple psalms that remind us that when we're hurting and when we're down, that God is near. So, in other words, the times it doesn't feel like God is near, the psalmist is saying, that's when He's right there. The Lord's compassion is for those who are down, those who are fallen. And all of us who are hungry are fed by God. In fact, uh, the picture there is uh, feeding with, a, you open your hand and give us everything that we need. And so you can picture the feeding of an, of an open hand. Here's everything that you might possibly want. God has that. And so when I am, am sustained by God, when I have food to eat, I know that's a blessing from Him. When I'm sustained spiritually, I can know that's a blessing from Him. The Lord is close, not just to those who are hurting and those who are hungry, but to those who call out to Him. And so the question that we need to ask is, have I responded to the Lord's compassion? Do I need to respond to God's compassion? If you're making a list of things to remember in that prayer, are there specific things that I need to say in prayer to respond to what God has done for me? If God has given me some opportunities to serve, and maybe I haven't taken advantage of those, do I need to respond to that? If I've been given the chance to be an influence in someone's life and maybe I haven't really thought seriously about it, do I need to respond to that? Or ultimately, we can ask the question, if I have not become a child of God, if I haven't taken advantage of the grace that the all-powerful God of the everlasting kingdom is given, do I need to respond to that? There's an author named... John Golden gave that points out how this psalm also illustrates things that we find in the model prayer that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
The beginning of that reminds us of the Lord that we serve, the one who reigns in heaven. The Lord's works that we've read about in Psalm 145 come from the one who reigns in heaven. Or when we think about the phrase, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Your translation may say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. We're reminded of the Lord's grace that's been made known. Your kingdom come, your will be done as a reminder of who's really king. We've seen that in this psalm. And then give us this day our daily bread, the compassion of the God who gives us what we need. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that sometime this week, maybe this is a good challenge for all of us, sometime this week, let's do our best to pray a prayer that sounds like Psalm 145. A prayer that for that moment, for that specific time, puts my needs, my wants, my issues to the side and focuses on what God has done. It may be that tonight you need to respond to that compassion of God. If you'd like to turn your life around, confess Jesus as Lord and put Christ on in baptism, we would love to celebrate that with you. It may just be that you're interested in that and want to talk more about it and study more about it. We'd love to do that. Uh, We love to sit down and study God's Word with individuals. It may be that you could use prayers and encouragement. If there's any way that we can help, please come forward and let us know as we stand and as we sing together.